Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk about some Minnesota Vikings football. Now, obviously, we're going to spend the whole time breaking down this Bears game because I liked what I saw, and I think it's going to carry over to – okay, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop, okay? I mean, don't get me wrong, I liked a couple of things I saw. But um, we are not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. The obvious, uh, you know, elephant in the room, um, or elephants, I should say, Zimmer and Spielman got the axe. And they're done now. They are long gone. So what do we do from here? You know, if you listen to the media or part-time media or in your Facebook Vikings group, boy, sometimes you'll hear some ridiculous stuff like, you know, trade the top eight players except Jefferson. But these are the same people that'll say Jefferson's not going to want to stay here for some reason, right? Because Zimmer's too defensive or because obviously he he doesn't like her cousins, you know? But you really think Jefferson's going to want to stay here? If you think he's going to demand a trade, do you think once you blow up the whole roster and he's playing with guys younger than him and he's in his second year, leaving as a junior, you think that's going to keep him here? Okay, sure. Um, so, yeah, we got the double dip today, bright and early in the morning. We'll have a little fallout, you know, review our thoughts on the firing. Um, it is harder, you know, to see where they're going to go GM-wise just because it's tough to – see who's what's well, not, not tough but you don't really spend a lot of time you know researching or at least I don't I should say researching the second and third and fourth fifth highest ranked in each franchise and all that we have a little bit you know longer of a list as far as uh head coach who will be the head coach if they didn't make it sound like which kind of makes sense you're gonna hire the GM first and you're, you're going to start looking for coaches and do all that stuff, but you're going to go GM first, which makes a lot of sense. And then we'll, you know, a lot of people shading towards an offensive coach has to be an offensive mind. I do get that, but you don't want to pigeonhole yourself and limit yourself um, and just say there's no way we could hire a defensive coordinator as a head coach. You don't want to do that, but I do get it. I do get it. Um, so we're going to talk, you know, talk it through. We do have some decisions coming up, a bunch of them. Two of them were made today. It just in this offseason, obviously, uh, the Kirk Cousins cap hit. Uh, Daniil Hunter, where's he at after missing two years uh, from injury? And, and if you look at, what, the last three out of five years, I believe, it's been it's been injured. You know, what do you do with that? He's got a big cap hit. Do you extend him? you trade them. There's a lot that goes into this year. You know, the cap number as it sits is not ideal. But as we know, you know, cap numbers can be maneuvered. It is real. I'm not going to say, oh, it's cap numbers. It's just a number, dude. It's not real. No, it is just a number, as we saw cap health last year, that it was just a number. But, it, it you know, we do have some things we got to tweak in order to get it, whether it's trade or extend. So we're going to talk it through. Yeah, we'll cover a little bit of the Bears stuff, um, but we're not going to get too deep <laughs> into that one. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of questions out there, man. There's a lot of questions that we're going to talk about on today's show. If this is your first time listening to the Purple People Leaders podcast, welcome. It's available in a variety of ways. You can find this here, Vikings podcast on uh, on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it over radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it open, download the show directly there, listen to the browser. You can find this here Viking show on the Rope Dope Radio podcast under Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grueling Chew Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingchew.com. And we also have a Spricker page. It's called Living in Loserville. Spricker page. Aaron set it up last year sometime. Um, you know, of course, you'll have the Viking stuff. We're about to transition into the Timberwolves Gophers, um, you know, season, which uh, we call that living in Loserville. Um, 
And he also has some podcasts you might like that he does personally. So it's called Living in Loserville Spricker. One more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice, your ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which you see that is becoming a major problem. If you go all the way up to the premiere package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included in the monthly fee. That's direct TV stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in Aaron and get his thoughts on, uh, you know, the firing, the axing of both the GM, president, whatever, you know, operational guy, and then, of course, Mike Zimmer. Well, we talked a little bit about it last week, Chris. We didn't know what direction the Wolves would go as far as, you know, one, letting go Zimmer, and then additionally letting go of Rick Spielman as well. I thought that that was the only move to make, but that, of course, was only my opinion. And uh, just because I thought you and I just had discussed the new eyes approach, you know, a lot of players that, you know, might not make other rosters seem to find great homes here. And uh, it just maybe needed to be a, a clean wash. I'm glad it worked out that way, but I wasn't 100% confident that it was going to. So when I woke up this morning and I saw the Vikings press release, I was pleasantly surprised that both were let go now. I don't say that in a way to dance on the grave of either Spielman or Zimmer because I'm a, you know, I used to be a Spielman guy back in the day a little bit more than I am now, but I was definitely still a Zimmer guy. And I just think, you know, a lot of things went into the performance of his team, but I thought, you know, as far as him being a defensive coordinator and and a head coach, I thought he did a decent to pretty good job. So I don't want to, you know, dance on their graves at all, but I am glad that the changes were made and I'm glad to see that it was a, a full change. Uh, and that just brings uh, new issues and, and an exciting off season that we're going to have to get into a little bit here. Cap hell is already being put out there and, you know, every year it seems that we're in cap hell and every year it seems to work out. So I'm not sure that there is a such thing as cap hell. We'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, this off season is going to be something. Uh, and I think it all begins with uh, hiring a GM. Yeah, Doug, they did make that clear today that they are going to go for a GM first. Doesn't mean they can't, you know, have some interviews and continue to do some of the work they're probably doing behind the scenes in the last few weeks. Um, and it, it it can take a little less longer to get this one out of the way. They probably have their eyes on a handful of folks, um, you know, We'll see where it goes there. Like I said, the advice there, it's tough. You know, um, that George Patton dude uh, who was in Minnesota from like 2007 to last year, that would have been the one that we probably assume, you know, we would bump him up. But he did last year take the Broncos uh, GM. So um, that's obviously not going to be there. Um, There was some talks and actually Charles Robinson to Day did, you know, have a tweet saying that uh, multiple sources believed as recently as early December that Rick Spielman was on track to promotions in the Vikings org, org, it says, to have a senior position that would have placed him between the GM coach layer and the ownership. Um, it's, he says apparently some of the Zimmer fallout changed the, uh, the roadmap. Um, there was more than just that tweet. There was rumors about maybe this first year or maybe moving on, he'll go back to the role he was in previously before they made him fully in charge, um, which that has its pros and cons. The pro would be, well, he doesn't have the final decision. <laughs> and the transition, you know, when someone come in new, okay, this is what we got. Now, that's not to say that Spielman just sat in a room all by himself and didn't tell anyone his plans. So there are people there, hey, this is what we're thinking with this player, with that contract, with this, how we want to do that. You know, so um, I was wondering if that could happen. I did think Spielman would be, you know, released from his duties 
his current duties, but I was wondering about that part. I did think maybe somehow, some way, advisory role uh, that he could maybe hang out that way, um, which, like I said, there's pros and cons. You don't really necessarily – I don't know. He's had his time. You know, he's been here since 2006 um, in some form or fashion. So, um, you know, it is what it is. There's a lot of questions, like I said, with the roster. Um with this, with that, but as far as like, you know, talking about the next head coach, since we're not going to go over this long list, because I don't have a long list of GMs, so talking about the coach, though, you hear people kind of hell-bent, stuck one way and say it has to be not just an offensive-minded coach or an offensive coordinator, but a young one at that. And we have seen some recent successes, no doubt about it. Um, even the Arizona coach, who's had some success this year, um, didn't have a whole lot of success at Texas Tech. And so that kind of was like, damn. So he failed at a college in the Big 12 that's offensive-oriented, really didn't have a good year, and he still got a head coaching. But that kind of shows you the fact that, they're more flexible to different types of offenses, which have helped college quarterbacks come in um, in some of them. Because remember, it was just, we need a pocket passer. That's all we need. You know, that's what it used to be. And you can see just the amount of passing that goes on now. Um, you know, I, I get that part. And I do shade offensive coordinator. But, Aaron, you don't want to make a mistake of just, well, we got the fourth best offensive coordinator when there may have been a, a, a better, you know, available guy just because he's a D coordinator doesn't mean he can't go out and get a, a pretty damn good quality offense coordinator. Where do you stand with that? Because it's just so hell bent to young and offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, let me put away my long list of uh, GM candidates here. <laughs> we'll save uh, it. We'll save it. We'll have a special episode. Uh, sure. <laughs> About 20 <laughs> names deep. No, uh, so, you know, we talked a little bit, Chris, earlier, but without the GM in place, it's hard to really say, you know, what direction you're going to go. And it really, this all happened this morning, so it's fresh for all of us. And, you know, I do shade a little bit like you to the offensive side of the ball because we're really stacked offensively in the skill positions. You want somebody who can drive that car, so to speak. But it also has to be somebody who realizes that that car right now is on bad suspension and it doesn't have good tires on it and we need to fix the offensive line fast. And so, you know, I think anybody with any acumen at their job will, will realize that. Um, but, you know, like you said, you don't want to end up with, the, you know, the last person in their class just because they're an offensive mind, so to speak. And if you find a shining example of a fine offensive mind, I don't care if he's 90 or if he's 35. It just doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that, you know, they're bringing something innovative and are willing to, you know, maybe use that uh, in, you know, to do their job. But it's, to me, it's like a, I really don't see a big difference. If you either get a great defensive guy or an offensive guy, I'm not stuck on the, well, no, we had a defensive coordinator. We had Mike Zimmer. Okay. That's, Mike Zimmer is an entity unto himself, and another defensive coordinator is not going to be exactly like Mike Zimmer, obviously, and have different ways of doing things. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I don't really shade any way uh, as long as it's a, somebody that I see that has a, you know, good football mind, I guess, quote, unquote, and is able to do the job. There's a couple candidates that I've already kind of said to you that I liked, but I don't know much about them either and what they hire, you know, what they have to offer. And, like you said about Kingsbury, I mean, nobody could have seen that coming. He didn't do very well in college football. And usually coaches coming from college football don't do great in the NFL. And you have an anomaly there. So do you, you know, roll your dice on maybe a college coach? Yeah. I wouldn't be so happy about that. But then again, I don't want to retread from an NFL coach either. So, you know, it's very, uh, hard to kind of put your finger on what you want here. But I, you know, the offensive talent here is undeniable. And I think some of the defensive parts are, are undeniable. So, you know, long story shorter to answer your question, 
just a good coach and somebody that has promise. And I, I guess I would prefer maybe someone younger, but you know, the best coach available is what I'm after. And, and hopefully you can get him off somebody's staff or, or uh, you've got, you know, feelers out there already. I just find it hard to believe Chris that the Wolves would make a move and get rid of both of them without having at least a few GM candidates in mind. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be, and, and they could have maybe kept old Ricky boy, uh, you know, for a year to or maybe long term if that was the case if they didn't feel prepared or whatever I guess I guess we'll find out there but yeah I I, I tend to agree with you there um the Kellen Moore the Brandon or uh, Byron Leftwich I mean there's a, a couple of young guns uh, that you know look good on paper you, like you said you don't know until they actually have to talk to the whole team and not just talk but motivate and all that good stuff. Um, it does kind of, kind of a knee jerk, but kind of makes sense too. Like if we do get a young head coach, then I, I kind of want to have a veteran D coordinator to where it's kind of the opposite of Zimmer, uh, not coordinator, but the fact that, you know, the best time with Zimmer was when he, it was a, most of the time a veteran guy, or at least, you know, Stefanski was young, but he was here for a while. So it's like, he could just kind of trust the guy to do him, you know, okay, you, you handle offense. I got the defense where, you know, if we had a young offense guy, well, he's playing, you know, he's going to need to play call more than likely. And so I'd like him to be able to just not have to overly spend his time on that side. And some, sometimes these guys are, guys are kind of like specialists like that. So where they're just like, Hey dude, I, I got this down pat, you know, we'll see from there. Um, and obviously younger, can be better nowadays. They're more open to, you know, expanding the playbook or tweaking it. Um, and, you know, obviously relatable to the to the players too, um, which can mean something, no doubt about it. Um, if you're winning, however you win, you get away with it. Once you start losing, like these last couple of years, then all of a sudden people are like, oh, man, Zimmer is grouchy. Oh, man, he's a cold-blooded guy. It's like you haven't. Notice that this whole freaking time. What are you talking about? You were complaining about it before. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I – yeah, I like what you said about you can't sit there and, you know, we don't want the fourth or fifth best coordinator just to get a coordinator. But I find it hard to, you know, hard to fathom that this isn't a, a top-tier offensive place to land just with the talent we got. And like you mentioned as well, it's not the defensive stats these last two years suck, most of them. But we know what that entails. You don't, you know, there's reasons, there's excuses, right? We know that. But there are a lot of reasons here, too, why this uh, defense wasn't even middle of the pack. You know, we had, we had some crazy injuries, yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, kind of moving forward with this, Talking about the roster, we're not going to break down the whole roster, but a lot of people, and this is not just fans, this is media too, especially the part-time media, but sometimes the full, they just want to, you know, complete, full rebuild, dude. Just look at your top seven players and get rid of them all. And I think that's just silly. It's so hard to build a core, you know. In two years, will Kendricks maybe be a different player because he's older? Yes. But two years is a long time. Two to three years is a whole long time uh, in, in, in NFL football. It really is. And some of these contracts, even like a Harrison Smith, I see people say, oh, I'd, I'd probably just get rid of him or cut him. And it's like, well, you're not going to cut him because you just extended him. Like, um, so I have said all along that this is not – this major rebuild, okay? This is a pretty quality, plenty of core guys that still have a few years left. Um, and, you know, Mark Wolf said, we feel like we can be super competitive in 2022. And just based off, if we could just have Pierce and Hunter on the same field together for 15 or 14 out of the 17 games, that could make a difference right there. So there's no point in blowing this whole thing up unless blow it up meant what happened today. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think 
you know, it's more of a trim the fat sort of situation where, you know, you keep your core because it's a talented core and it's fairly young. I mean, you're going to probably lose bar, um, but Kendricks isn't under contract and is in the prime of his career. Harrison Smith's winding down his career, but still part of that core. Um, defensively, uh, Pat P's got to make his decision, uh, whether he's going to stay or go, but, um, I think the coach probably has a lot to do with that as well. And you have, you know, offensive side of the ball, everybody's under contract that needs to be. Um, and, you know, talking about whether this is a good job to come into, it certainly is with the new, you know, practice facility, the new stadium. Uh, you do have a quarterback in place right now. We'll get onto that later. And you have great skill position players, Delvin Cook's top five running back, maybe higher than that. And, you know, Jefferson, Thielen, the emergence of Smith Marset yesterday and, uh, you know, KJ Osborne, you've got depth there. So it's a great place. Obviously, Irv offensive Smith. line is something. Irv Smith will return. Um, and then Daniel Hunter also, you know, back on that defense. So you've got the players and the full rebuild thing is, uh, you know, that's pie in the sky. You got too many guys under contract, but, um, some of that depth that needs to get washed out. It's guys that are just not doing anything for you or that still remain need to be dealt with. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just kind of trim the fat on the roster, maybe organize it a little bit better and bring in some new talent that, that you, you know, think can help you. I think that's basically what we're looking at here. And then, you know, this will be these guys's fourth offensive coordinator in four years. Yeah, some say it's the same system, but these guys have just been, you know, every training camp has just been a a relearning or a re-getting to know or something. There hasn't been a lot of stability there, and that's something you'd like to see. Now, obviously, this year it's going to be another change, but um, you'd like to see something be a little bit more stable in that department. And, uh, you know, Chicago's got a nice thing, too, because they got fields and what can you do with him. So, I mean, that's an appealing job, too. But, you know, I think we're right up at the top of the list for appealing jobs for candidates for both GM and coach. So I don't think it's going to be a problem of trying to get someone to work to, to do the job. I just think, you know, like you pointed out with that question is what, what is the job actually? Are we looking for, you know, are you going to try to trade some guys to get some draft? picks because you want to go in a new direction are we going to go to a 3-4 defense and we need new players I mean questions like like that kind of tend to arise and uh, you know you've got guys that can play a 3-4 or whatever it is but you know you're going to have to do some I don't want to call it a retool because I think it's like a step under that Chris I think it's just a yeah I think evaluate talent and make the appropriate decision type of thing yeah that's a good way to put it if we change it to 3-4, Bar may come back. No, um, yeah, you're right. And right now, as far as D, the interior defensive line, we're good either way if you look at who we got. We could go 3-4 just as easily as we go 4-3. So, of course, we need more linebackers <laughs> in that case, right? But um, Or you never know. Maybe Jones, one of these younger guys, uh, you know, maybe they would kind of go into one of those you know, linebackers. That could be, too. Um. But and I guess that's where shading to the offensive side, um, you know that maybe that's when we talk about the coordinator every year. You know, every successful coordinator that Zimmer had went on either you know obviously retired at the old man Kubiak had a damn good year, but then the two prior they got head coaches, so you can't really he he obviously signed the right guy, you know, but it was too right I guess you know, um, but. That's that would be the stability there, Aaron. Right? If you did get an offensive coach, because he's going to be there for you know at least probably three years. So that would be helpful. Because you're right, Cook. I think what's his fifth or sixth year? He said every year, and then Cousins too. Even dating back to Washington. I mean, that is kind of the the trend. The money's so good, the opportunities there that you know. If you do good, you're going to get there. And sometimes that's if you have a younger guy, somewhat inexperienced, but with a lot of potential, it helps. You can maybe keep him for a couple more years. Of course, that's what you could make the argument for this group yet too, right? But it is what it is when it comes to that. Um, but, yeah, you make a, a lot of good points there, and we do have to see which direction they go with the roster. Um as far as the top two numbers on the cap, clearly the forty-five million, um, which that number, it, 
if it's traded or changed, it's going to be so funny how many – think about how many clicks and listens and tweets and retweets and likes that fucking thing got. I mean, kudos to them. I mean, talk about just rumming up some shit. That would be funny. That would be probably just as bad as the Capel theme that we had to hear for a year and a half, the narrative there, which was obviously bullshit. But um, you got to do what you got to do. I get it. Um, I don't have to like it, but I get it. But the two top two, 40, 45 um, straight up, and then um, 26 million for Hunter. And obviously, uh, we'll start with Hunter first. It's a weird situation. He's got two years left on his deal. We tweaked it. We tweaked last year's money for him, even though he wasn't playing, just to, you know, kind of say, hey, dude, you do deserve some more money. We get it. But we do have to see you on the field, so then we feel better about extending you. Well, obviously, we saw he was a stud, but about, what, week five, week six, unfortunately, he tore a pec muscle. So that's back-to-back years. You know, one year didn't play at all and played a, a small chunk this year. And then when you back it up, he had those two great years. But then remember, and this actually was when he uh, signed his contract, his extension, uh, he, he messed up his peck then. And I can't remember if it was the same peck. I hope not. But um, that's three out of five years of missing pretty significant time. So leverage is not on his side. However, <clears throat> if he were to play about, let's say, 14, 15 games this next year, It'd be phenomenal one as a fan, right? But also that nine something, it's below ten million next year. That would obviously we'd have to do something there. Otherwise, you know that whole thing that people thought this year he wouldn't show up. Well, I don't think he'd show up next year. Nor would I think he should if he just came off a solid year, ten plus sacks, just his normal thing. He he wouldn't be getting paid like that. So, um, you know. People will knee-jerk Aaron right away. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What are you talking about? But I think there's, with both these guys, Cousins and Hunter, the trade or extend. And extending, obviously, in the coming years would have to really focus on the ro- him making the roster, meaning he's healthy. We can't give him all this extra money for three years to come, and then he gets hurt again. That's three straight years he's hurt, then we're screwed. At the same time, if he hits, you know, he's still going to be valuable next year to trade him. Someone would just extend him. Um, and if he made it through the year, he'd be more valuable to trade. So you could either extend or trade next year. There is a debate for that. But I kind of feel like we should extend him as long as it's ro- it's hidden in that roster signing Ziggy money. Like, hey. If you make it by this date, you're still on the roster five days into the new year or whatever, you know, or that June 1st date that we like to talk about a lot, then I'm okay with that. And I think we could cut five or 10 or, you know, 7 million or something off of his cap number this year. And then we're all happy because normally I wouldn't do this, but he's just, I mean, what, at, he was the first to 50 at 25. Like he's just such a special player. That you don't, I, I don't want to give up on him just yet and trade him. Yeah, you brushed upon it. The interesting thing about him is that he's still young. I mean, his playing years, I think he came into league at 19, 20, something like that. Well, and no, no, no. You know, he was 21. 21 or something. Yeah, he can't come in the league. Uh, yeah. At that and he, you know, entering, basically entering his prime. And let's say he does heal up from the pack and the neck seems to be a non-issue at this point. Um, a peck is something you can deal with. Uh, he's got plenty of time to rehab it. Now, my concern here, I guess I'm not really concerned. I guess if you're a Daniil Hunter fan, it's a concern is that it's a, it's a contract that's kind of prime for trading at this point in time. And the situation with his injuries, like you said, kind of takes a little leverage away from him, but I could see something like a draft day move or something to acquire some picks. If you're going in a different direction scheme wise or something like that. Now, I would love to see Daniil be a, a lifelong Viking. That's number one priority. And in that case, I would want to see an extension, of course, maybe a restructure and an extension. Um, but, you know, I could see a new GM saying, well, this is a prime piece. We could move. We don't, we're not a hundred percent on him due to his injury stuff. He's a talented player. He's young enough. You could get pretty good value for him. He plays a position that's high demand. Um, but then you find yourself looking for, a replacement of a all pro possibly hall of fame defensive end 
And I just don't think, you know, long term that that's probably the best move. I think you're probably right on that is you just, you ride it out with him because like you said, he's, he's young for his years. He's phenomenally talented and he just got banged up a couple of seasons, which is good in a sense that he doesn't have all that wear on his tire and he can, you know, possibly be productive for you for another eight to 10 years. Uh, I think that's probably what you have to side on if, if you are thinking long-term wise, but if you're thinking short-term patch holes, fix things, I think that's a pretty nice trade piece. And, and I, like I said, I would hate to see him go, but I could see that happening. Sure. Yeah. And it would free up some money there to possibly that in the draft to possibly replace uh, his snaps. We'll put it that way. We won't say replace him, but replace his snaps because someone's got to do it. Like you said, that's a good point. And, you know, those first, especially the first year, but I believe in the second year too, um, you know, he didn't get, he was coming off the bench much like Everson Griffith. Now he came in and it didn't take him five years to, you know, to, to blow up. But, you know, we, we had Robinson and we had Allen. So it was like, it did take him like two years to really be able to be a hands down number one guy. So to your point, it does save on those legs and body. And think about the, if he can remain healthy somewhat, um, you know, that is a lot of legs wear and tear that, that didn't happen these last years. That's a very good point. And that actually does bode well for longevity. I think that even if you extended them at the end of the next year, I think that's when you make the decision on the trade. Um, now, given if he got hurt again, then his trade value would diminish even further. But right now, it's somewhat diminished. Um, but I just think at some point he'd hold out and we'd end up probably cutting them or something. Too. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing because you know damn well um, that someone's gonna pay him, you know, twenty million plus a year and just say screw it, let's try one two years on it. Who cares if he ever hit the market? Now Kirk Cousins um, mm. is obviously in the same boat for different reasons. Um, we chose to just do a two year extension after the 2019 instead of a longer one. Um, and I know that would have been sacrilegious to a lot of people. You know, an extra year or two. Oh my God, what what would we do that for? But you know, we're, this is the reason why we do it because we wouldn't be staring at this goddamn forty-five million. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> when we're talking about this emotional uh, hot button topic, <laughs> I'll say this: I there's very few guys that I'll. Just like, you know, when a guy gets old and you're like, dude, he's still got another year left. And, you know, I think everyone's fallen victim a little bit to that. Like, no, let's just hold on, dude. We can't trade him or we, you know, we can't cut him. And, you know, I get that part. But I always want to improve the team. Team is first, you know. Even though it doesn't feel like that on Vikings Twitter sometimes, it should be team first at the end of the day. Um because we're not making these goddamn decisions anyway. So why would we get so, you know what I mean? That's what makes me laugh. So I'm down to improve my team. Now, it doesn't, we're not going to go, we're, we're going to go over all this free agency and stuff before uh, March 16th or whatever. We'll have our free agency preview show and all that. So we're not going to get too detailed, but it doesn't take long to see that there are some pretty good veteran quarterbacks um, that are on the market. And funny enough, Two years ago, they would have been like twenty million. Now they're not. Some of them uh, per year, you know, for your deal, even if it's a one-year deal. So some of them actually have taken pay cuts, you know. So it's helped us that way. If if, the, if you want to go the route of drafting a quarterback and going the vet route, right? So there's the the route of trading him, getting thirty-five million to spend. At that point, you'd have to get a center in a guard. If you got that kind of money, like, fuck, mm. you'd have to do that. Um, because mm-hmm. one, you're going to get a young player. You don't want him getting fucking killed. And two, you're going to get an old veteran dude who probably moves less than cousins or is limited. I mean, everybody on, whether they're too old, like a, maybe a Phillip Rivers or something like that, or somebody there, Teddy, and, you know, all these names, Jameis, uh, you know, Winston, all that. Cousins is better than those guys. But you'd have to improve the the offensive line interior majorly to to because then you'd have some success regardless. Um, so there's that route, or 
you cut what could be 10, what could be 15, some even say maybe 20 this first year, off of this current cap, and then you extend them for the next few years, and it gives the coach, the GM, two to three years from now, and a lot of these guys that we talk about are that two to four year range that are the core. So it actually lines up pretty well either way you do it. To me, it's like, I, I think you could do it next year and the year after that too, trade them. If you did get someone that's really good and you feel good about them after a year or something like that. But even if you draft someone, it's either a vet with a better line or you extend Cousins and you could still have a better line because you would literally free up a, an estimation of 10 to $20 million on this year's cap by extending them. What's your gut saying we should do, sir? Well, you brought up a lot of different scenarios there. A lot of them I hadn't thought about, <clears throat> particularly the one about, you know, the GM coming in and giving him a little bit of uh, breathing room to make a quarterback decision. I think that's makes a heck of a lot of sense. And, you know, we all have our feelings on Cousins, uh, Vikings fans. Uh, some love him, some hate him, some in between, but very few in between. And I think that, you know, Knowing what we know now with the changes at GM and coach um, and looking for any kind of stability offensively through that position, as much as it pains me to say, uh, I think you find a way to try to get that cap number down and keep him for at least another year. Now, Kirk's going to have his say in this as well. So we don't know where he stands on virtually anything in life, but um, <laughs> well, he likes God. We know that. And two, he did say he wanted um, to be a Vikings. He he wants to retire here, so we you know. And we know he likes money, so we know the money is priority number one. It appears after God, so that would be priority number two for Kirk Cousins. So you know, getting him to cut his his number, but he likes freedoms a lot too, though. So I mean, that might be sure. second. Second, third, I don't know. You know, uh, but getting him to take a cut of any kind, Chris, to me seems like a tall ask. So you, I think you're stuck with either the 45 or no cousins. And um, that's the decision the new GM is going to have to make. What do you, um, you mean by that, 45 or no cousins? Like, he, you don't think he'd be willing to – No. Well, an extend would bring it down. An extend would bring it down, but as far as – Oh, he just stretch it out. It. Yeah, right. him just chopping this. You could stay on your one-year deal, but you just chop it down. I yeah, guess. or you, or somehow he loses money in an extension. Like he's not gonna. Kirk Cousins is not gonna lose money. So you're either gonna spread it out, or you, you know Thank you're gonna you pay it all right away. Yeah. And if you had something, let's say you got a great pick or a quarterback falls into your lap or something uh, in the draft or that you think is promising. Uh, then, you know, you make a little bit of decision. But, you know, then you go back to the roster construction. Can you get two guards in a center with with his cap hit this year and, and if he's unwilling to extend? Um, probably not, unless you draft really well. Um, yeah, that's so, not, yeah, that would be impossible, I'd say. Right. Yeah, they're close. So, you know, you have to put that offensive. Like you said, offensively, if you do fill those spots, Spots on the offensive line, you're going to be successful to some degree, mm-hmm. but you know, not as probably successful as to have you know someone like Cousins, a good offensive line, and the rest of those offensive parts. That's a recipe for a lot of success. Um, so I think it kind of stands on what Kirk wants to do, but I think if let's say Kirk just stands by his guns and he just says, "Look, pay me." Um, if that if that was the case, I would look to trade him. See what's out there. You know, I'm not so going to just give him away. Right. Um, I would look to get rid of him in a trade for value. I'm not getting rid of him just to get rid of him. You give me an offer that I can live with, then, sure. yeah, I would definitely do the trade. Other than that, I would find a way to extend with an out clause somehow, trade clause or uh, something to where you know you can move on a year, a year or two later, and not, you know, suffer the huge cap hit that you would take this year. 
Um, if you can find a rookie quarterback that's good and you can redo your roster, that's fine. But, you know, this stuff you hear on Twitter and Facebook, just cut him and move on. Uh, that's not going to work. It's just not yeah. going to work. So, um, so I guess, you know, number one, I would look to trade him. Number two, I would look to extend. That would be where I would stand, but I would not trade him for, for nothing. You're going to have to give me value for him or I'll just keep him and we'll try to work something out and extend. That's where I stand on it. Uh, but you're right. Team first wise. And with the other changes, cousins would be really the only stable piece back. Um, and that also says something, you know, so you can't, you, do you want to lose, you know, GM head coach and starting quarterback in the same season and try to go from there. That's, that's tough, but you know, I can't say they won't go in that direction, but I don't think that's the best way to go. I think so. You know, an extension likely, I think, was what will happen. And let's hope Kirk is agreeable to something like that so we can maybe try to get him an offensive line. Well, yeah, I mean, he's made it known that he wants to be here, so that would have to be an extension, right? He already did an extension before. It is up to what they want to spend the money on. Clearly, it wouldn't move $35 million off uh, the cap, and that's what I'm saying. You could get a legit center in guard at that at those prices, uh, or just a stud center and then like a veteran guard. I'm not saying both uh, top on the market, you know, because that's like 15 to 20 million. So you, you wouldn't do that, but you'd be able to, you know, do a little more. But then again, if you could get 15 or 20, you could still do some of that damage, you know, along with the other tweaks we're going to do. But I would, I would do the the first option would be extend them because. Knock on wood, the dude doesn't get fucking hurt. And with a better line, there's a better chance he won't get, he'll continue that streak. And he's even weathered the Minnesota jinx. I mean, Pat P hadn't missed a couple of games in a row. We, we've seen the track record of guys coming here. Yeah, but four years in a row, he started 60 games and all this stuff. Even Cousins somehow has, you know, that's a, that's the whole God fearing thing, I think. But, um, I, uh, I would extend them, free up money now. And then obviously the I would do the if you hunt if you do both Hunter and him, that could be twenty five thirty million dollars twenty to thirty whatever you want to say. So I would definitely do that and then see what you got because he's always tradable. They always say, I mean there was four teams looking at him this year, you know, as a trade thing. So people say, oh he's untradable, just like you know Wiggins is untradable, right? That's what the local media told us for a year and a half or whatever. But Obviously, I would have a different mentality, Aaron, if we had drafted one of two quarterbacks last year, right? Now I'd have a different viewpoint, you know, because I'd be like, well, dude got his, you know, one year in. If we invest even a little heavier than we would uh, keeping Cousins on on the offensive line, you know, of course, uh, then I probably go that route because you say, all right, they've had a year to chill. Even the homes took a year to chill shit. Rogers took three years, you know, then I'd have a different mentality, but I think the flexibility is there because he's tradable. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Any, any last words or any kind of thoughts on that, uh, topic? No, I mean, I just, I, I, I hate to change like, uh, it's my viewpoint on it, Chris, has changed in the last 24 hours just due to the, the other changes that were made. It's like, well, you want some continuity, Chris, in your offense. And he's unfortunately or fortunately the, the one piece that will or could be, uh, a, a bit of continuity, but at a very, very high price. And it's like, well, potentially I'm a little bit skeptical of, of cousins agreeing to an extension. Now you said, yeah, he said he wanted to be here for an extended period of time. And, and that's, that's a good thing, but um he's also really, I hate to say like good with his money and he knows what the hell's going on. And his agents are tough and, and he got a, a guaranteed contract out of us. And, you know, maybe he's not dealing with Rick anymore, but he's got a lot of leverage on his side. Well, he here. did the first time. Yeah. The first yeah. Time. And he's right. already extended. That's what makes me think he would do it again because he's already proven he would extend. And he's also part of a, the main attraction for a head coach or for a GM that you have him in place. So that's that's a, another layer. 
That is yeah. a, that's a very important letter. Good call. And that's like a rock and a hard place. You're going to either pay up this $45 million and just kind of swallow that jagged pill this season. I wouldn't, you know, or you're going to have to do something about it. And that kind of depends on Cousins. If he won't budge and you owe him $45 million, you might have to make a choice that you don't necessarily want to make. Well, you just trade him at that point. Yeah, but then again, you know, obviously, but then you would also not have the stability of a starting quarterback for the new GM or the new head coach. Right. I just, he literally extended two years ago. People, I think people are kind of thinking, and I'm not saying you're one of them, but because last year he wouldn't extend. Well, how many players extend every year? You know, name me. Now we're not talking about the NBA because they have those ones and twos and all that weird contract. But in the NFL, you rarely see people extend their contract every single year. Well, I think we'll find out if we if we hold him to his word that he wants to stay here, he will extend because it's in the best interest of the team and the franchise. It's probably you know he's going mean? to do a lot of praying on the scenario, I think, and then we'll get I think a he will better <laughs> get a better judge of <laughs> of that. Um, so, just to talk a little bear stuff, um, I gotta say there was two plays. Um, where the record was in touch or in, you know, right there, um, for Jefferson. Now he even said it too, that, yeah, I wanted the record, but going into the week, he was like, well, I mean, it's a record, but you know, it's a longstanding record and I'm getting an extra game, you know? So I'm not necessarily on the Zimmer. I don't, you know, like a lot of people were ripping him. He said, oh, I don't care about records. He said that a hundred times in press conferences, so I expect that from him. He doesn't give a shit about records or numbers, you know, uh, maybe efficiency numbers and stuff like that, offensive defense. But um, the, the two plays stood out, but I would actually – we'll talk about one because it's the Cousins thing that people like to use that. But also the last play – or not – the last available play on that third down when we chose to run it on third and like 10, that was funky. Cause then you're right there. Just throw it 20 yards to see what happens. Now I understand to use Edwards, you know, Herm Edwards, you play to, you know, you play to win the game. And it is true. I mean, if you forced it in triple coverage and they got a pick six and there's six minutes left or five minutes left, it's a seven point game. Boy, would they love to rip them for that. Too. You don't go chasing records. What are you doing, Mike? You know, that's why you're getting fired. So, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen it there. A lot of people will talk about the touchdown uh, that went to Osborne instead of Jefferson. But we've seen about six or eight weeks where they all go towards Jefferson in that scenario, especially with Thielen's been out, obviously. And – he guessed that they'd all go that way. And when you look at the slow motion, you see where the ball was. Two of them ran towards where the ball was going already. So he wasn't as wide open right away as people thought. But it was funny to see one guy in the middle like, I don't know what to do. He was stuck, which we're going to see a lot of that with Jefferson because you don't know what to do with this. You're like, oh, gee, someone help me. That's what I do know. But um, he went to Osborne way just assuming that they would do what they've done the last six weeks in the red zone. We've seen some wide open guys in there. So I don't really blame Cousins for that one because it's a bang-bang play. And like I said, I've, I've slowed down the, the the replay where he broke wide open. The ball was technically in the air already. So there were some guys running once he threw the ball. But I was not surprised because of Zimmer or Kubiak, whatever. Um but I would have liked to seen that third die, third down try at the end of the game. What says you, sir? Well, two ways of looking at it, I guess. The Herm Edwards approach, you play to win the game. Zimmer could have made the call, just run the frickin' ball or whatever it is, eat the clock and whatever it was. Um, and then there's, a, you know, the player side friendly, let's try to get Justin the record, to try to get something good out of this miserable season. Um, but that one didn't bother me much. I wasn't too concerned about whether Jefferson got the record or not. I like Moss holding records. Um, he's uh-huh. a guy that needs to hold yeah. records, but, uh, 
<laughs> but the other play, I did notice it actually in live action. I was like, oh, wow, Jefferson just broke open. And I did look at it again. You're right. The ball was in the air. And you're right. For the last few weeks, there's been free touchdowns because everybody's been on Jefferson, especially with Thielen out. It just kind of goes that way. So I don't blame Kurt just assuming that Jefferson's going to get some attention. And just the fact that he didn't, well, that's shocking, but not yeah. something you can rely on. You're not going to hang your hat on that. So I think he went and made the right play to the right thing. Now, would it have been a different, you know, scenario had Jefferson broken open and KJ dropped the ball or it was a bad pass right. or something? Yeah, but yeah. no, it was a good pass. KJ caught it. Uh, it's a touchdown either way. What's the big deal except for the record? And I don't think, you know, Kirk was trying to stick it to Justin or anything like that. But, you know, I see him open, but I'm going to throw into <laughs> somewhat double coverage just because I don't want to, you know, that's yeah. just, that's insane. Let's so, not get I, the young kid too high on himself. We, we got to humble him a little bit. I don't think that would be right. Or let's, you know, he already got a touchdown. Let's get it to KJ and get him one. I, I just don't see anything like that. I just think it was bang bang play. Yeah. You know, you got to go nine out of ten times. Jefferson's going to get the double and the safety, so you're going to go to Osborne on that. It would have been nice because it would have got you know just in the record, but. You know, it is what it is. It's a touchdown either way, so there's not much to complain about. But at the end of the game, Chris, yeah, I guess it would have been nice to throw the ball, third and ten, give it a shot. Um, As long as you don't throw a pick six, you know, you're fine. So, yeah. But then again, I don't think it was Zimmer saying, well, screw Jefferson. Let's just, you know, run the ball. I think it's just let's finish this game out, you know, end on a good note, blah, 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 and, you know, that's how it went down. And I'm sorry, you know, Justin had the extra game and, you know, Randy deserves the records. Yeah, and really, if we want to get technical, what about the 12 game guys? Shit. I mean, those guys got four more games to set records. It's pretty crazy when you think of that, when you look at, uh, during the, when Moss, when it was in, uh, New England, when he set that record of touchdowns, 23, I think it was. It's crazy. That was a lot. When, when, uh, Rice had that record, I think it was 23 or 22, I can't remember. But uh, that was during a lockout year, dude. So he he had less games uh, than Randy on that one. Just a little side note. I did notice that stat that didn't bode well for Chicago or us, and it's really no surprise. I just didn't ever see it in in maybe a couple, maybe like two months I hadn't seen the stat. But most average yards to go on third down this season. The Vikings coming in at number one, Aaron, 7.8. Third down and 7.8, uh, <laughs> followed by the – it was a three-way tie for second. Broncos, Saints, and then, of course, the opponent, Bears. But, you know, based off that Cincinnati game, our average wasn't going to be good. Uh, just to start with, when we had that opening drive of, like, four penalties and <laughs> one. But uh, I knew it was bad, and I figured it would finish top five, but I hadn't looked at it because it didn't, you know, after a while you get sick of looking at that stat or whatever. But we closed strong, baby. We closed strong. We got the number one, baby, the longest third down in, in, in yards to go. Um, but, yeah, you know, we were saying this before, you know, that's the one thing about Zimmer is this team is prideful. They played their asses off this year and bounced back after, you know, tough loss after tough loss. The old lose two, but then come back and win two when you think, oh, it's going to unravel now. Oh, it's going to unravel now. And it just, it did unravel, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't just an unraveling randomly. You could say, well, this, that, the other, you know, I think what it was. 14 out of the 17 games, 14 were tied. We didn't beat the record, but we're tied with, like, two other teams as far as most, uh, point, you know, one-point uh, scores and whatnot. But uh, on the flip side, and plus Jefferson's in his second year, you know what I mean? Um, and by the way, you can tell that he is happy with what they're doing with him here. Now, every wide – stop making him de- – there's two things in press conference. They're either trying to, and this happened ever since he said, throw the ball, which gets said almost every game loudly, but we didn't have a crowd so you could hear him. So they they go one or two routes with, with J.J. They either try to make him a diva, right, or they try to use Cousins and turn him on. You know, I want to turn, you know, I'm going to use my Cousins thing. And that always makes me laugh, too, because wherever Jefferson would have went, he would have put up numbers. We know that. 
So this, I'm not saying, oh, man, he's because of Kirk. You know, I'm not saying that. But through two years, this stat that I'm about to talk about is targets. And that's been 30 years. I think 92 or 91 it got, it got you know, that's when they started keeping track of it. So that's about 30 years. He Through two years, he's the most targeted receiver ever. Now, don't get me wrong. In the 90s and even in the 2000s, they weren't throwing as much as we do nowadays. You know, shit, we even ended up ninth or tenth in attempts this year. So, I mean, we're getting him the ball. Like, a lot of people want to turn him into either this way over-the-top drama guy or they don't like Cousins, so they're going to try to do this weird shit and try to just make up all this dumb shit off of back-to-back not enough targets for, for Jefferson and, by the way, Thielen back then. Back-to-back, I think that was like – uh, Baltimore and some other game. And we, we talked about that. We had long segments about that. But that was fixed after that, right? So, and it's not like, once again, Cousins like, no, nah, I'm just never going to throw it to him. You know, it's like he didn't want to. You know what I mean? I mean, shit, even that touchdown, you know, that tells you they're getting on the same page, that touchdown in that game. Because he was supposed to run a different route, and that's what Cousins was waiting for. Cousins did a little – well, it was like a little juke to the side and reset, and there was a good block there, by the way, I think by O'Neal. And then it was like, well, fuck, I understand why he's doing that, because the, the corner came off and was covering our guy Ham. It looked like a corner blitz, but it actually was the Ham right at the sticks. Um, so he's like, fuck it, I'm going straight, dude. I'm running this bitch post. And and, and that tells you they're on the same page. He's like, oh, okay, oh, I see, okay, one-on-one, boom, he just threw it up to him. And obviously that's where Jefferson came in and played those dead hands for a while. And then at the last second, popped it up, much like a Carter or Randy Moss in that way, that's for sure. But um, long story short, um, you know, it is what it is. Any any other items? Oh, oh, Patterson. Pat P. Now, this guy didn't get many targets this year, right? And I didn't even think about it. I was like, hey, he doesn't have a pick. And I've been listening to, you know, his podcast every week with his cousin and he brought that up and I was like, Oh shit, Aaron, he doesn't have a pick. Like he's made some nice plays, but he doesn't have a pick. He's barely gotten much action. Um, and of course, you know, we, we have a little Breland to thanks for that, but he didn't get much action, <laughs> but I absolutely in a meaningless game that we were going to win. Well, it's not meaningless because if we would have lost, we would have had a higher pick, but if it was going to happen, right, we can't control it. It was happening right in front of our face. But that was pretty dope for him to get not only his pick, because that would have been the first year in 11 years that he's never got an interception. And to do it in style like LSU cornerbacks do, that that was pretty nice, too. That was pretty nice that he got a pick six. Yeah, it was. Uh, and you're right. He just hadn't been targeted thanks to Breland and a little bit to Dantzler and all the mess, maybe Chris Boyd's in on that as well. And him, there's better guys to th- sure. There's better guys to throw at than, than Pat Peterson. So I, I, you know, it's sad now that he's on a one-year deal. To me, he's like, oh man, I could get a three-year out of that guy. Um, but I think he played as well as we thought he'd play, maybe even a little bit better. Um, and I think he was kind of a, a grounding force for the defense, for whatever that was worth for this year's defense. But. Um, yeah, it was nice to see him kind of go out in style. And if this is his last player or his last game as a Viking, you know, it's a good way to go out. And uh, it's just sad to see him go, especially when you're talking about LSU cornerbacks. There's a damn good one coming up in this draft. Mm. And, uh, oh. you know, uh be nice to get another one. But, um, yeah, let's let's hope they work it out and, and he's back next season. It's just, you know, it's a 50-50 shot at this point, but good to see a pick six. And we kind of waited for it all season. It's too bad we couldn't get it in the middle of the season, but it's good to see, you know, for him and for the squad that, you know, he got that play. And it wasn't an easy run back. I mean, he had to no, have dude, some, vision, had some vision on him, but when he broke free, you're like, oh, okay, hit the end zone. So, yeah, good to see that. And for whatever it's worth, it was it was nice to have Pat P for this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tomlinson, you know, the last month or so, he's really come on. We finally got to see, you know, uh, Pierce in the game. But also Anthony Barr, who more than likely won't be back next year. Well, he's, he's a free agent. We're going to pay him about nine, 
a little under ten million regardless, but you never know. If he went to a three four, maybe he could come back. You never know, but I doubt it. But either way, it was, you know, he had a damn good uh game to close as well, had two sacks. Hey, Aaron, we were bringing him off the edge. Uh, I can't believe he can actually apply pressure and literally get blocked and fall on the ground, get up and still get to the quarterback. Huh, weird. Yeah, his his last game, possibly last game as a Viking, he comes off the edge. Every season is like, Ooh, we're going to see Bar coming off the edge this year, so that'll be good. And this never, ever happens. Finally, we get to see it. And he's somewhat successful at it. I mean, I, I could see him, with him and Kendricks being friends and Hunter and those guys, I could see them all being back. Just have to work some things around. I mean, I just, you know, it's another player that you just go, okay, well, what does he have to offer? But then, you know, this season he did show a little bit of different things. I think Mike used him in a lot of different ways that we had been waiting for him to do. But, you know, he's also the the sort of captain of the defense, so he's kind of mm-hmm. stuck in his spot there. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I, I wouldn't be upset. Chris would be upset if he was back on the roster next year. I, I mean, I'd be like, okay, cool. You know, maybe we can find some creative things to do with him. And, but, you know, his body's breaking down a little bit. He's getting a little bit older. And But, I, you know, I wish him well, whatever he does, but I, you know, I think I'd like to see him back next year. Yeah, I don't see him back, but no, I, as long as the number, I don't think he'd come back for a big number anyway, but, uh, for us anyway, you know, but, um, just because the injury prone thing lately, but, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't be, yeah, no, I wouldn't be, uh, what the hell are we doing? This is a retread or whatever. I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be saying that either. I agree. And maybe, um, you know, we can bring him off the edge. <laughs> we we're probably, you know, we need an edge anyway. You can't have DJ doing everything on the right side, right? Let's bring Barr off the edge. Yeah, that would be fun. Because that first year and a half, I think it was, no pun intended, but the bar he set in the first two years was just like, this dude is a destructive force. You know, like, he cannot be stopped, you know? And then it was like, but we want him to have more responsibility and we'll use in different ways. You won't be able to see it in his stats. You won't be able to see this and that. But he's going to be effective. Uh, really, it's just been staying on the field. Uh, he's very effective when he plays, but it, that has been an issue, no doubt about it. And he's come around, you know, like the knee thing randomly. It looked like he was healthy. Then he had to clean it up. He missed like six weeks or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I am with you, though. I would assume it would be a manageable number. Um for just one year or something like that, or, or two years, I, I'd be happy if he came back. But yeah, I just don't see him coming back. I quickly to dovetail off that, Chris. Last uh, yesterday, the game I saw defensively, I saw some guys really playing well. Willikis mm. looked really, really good. Um, so did Lynch in the middle, and yep. yeah, Jones and Wanham. They all played. Thomason like, was getting in their ass, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought defensive line started to see you know guys that we hadn't seen necessarily splash before kind of making their way up the roster and you know I was impressed with Willikis and I was impressed with with Wanham and I was impressed with Jones and these guys that you just you know were in Zimmer's second squad forever and just couldn't break through and for some reason they got in the game and you know I was rather impressed with them so I mean I think it bodes well for whatever happens coming but I just think you know there's talent there man and so it's, we got depth there dude all we need is nice, Hunter to be healthy, man. We got talent up here. Yeah. It's a nice little situation for whoever takes this coaching job. And I just, you know, it's, I think it's the best job out there personally. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there, man. Cause yeah, you're right. I mean, as we know, you know, both lines are so major and to have that much talent there and uh, a lot of it under contract for at least a year or two. We've already talked about how we'll probably have to make a decision after next year or the year after with Thomason or Pierce. Well, Watts is like, hey, I'll be part of that decision making, you know. So, yeah, man, um, it's really just about Pierce and Hunter being healthy, dude. It's a different defense, a different line. And then that depth can really shine, too, because we don't have to play all those guys as much sometimes um, as we had in the last two years. But, they, hey, it may help long-term because, like you said, we have seen these guys come on. You know, Wandam, sure, Griff was out playing them through the first half of the season, but once Griff went, you know, it, it almost inspired him or something because this last half of the year, DJ has been damn good, dude. 
and it's not just the three sacks, you know. So, obviously, when you're young and dumb, sometimes you don't hold the edge in the run or whatever, and we get that part. You want to do your fancy spin moves and stuff like that to get to the quarterback or whatever, or, you know, you're still, you know, not 100% alert of what they're trying to do in that moment, and they can make it look like it, and all of a sudden it's a screenplay and it's on your side or a, a rush, they pop it outside. We saw a lot of that, but. Yeah, there's a lot to build on, no doubt about it. Um, so next week, we will be transitioning to the Timberwolves Gophers basketball podcast, Living in Loserville. Um, we kind of get, you know, oh, I love that name, and they laugh, or, oh, dude, why are you so negative? And we're not negative people. <laughs> yeah, we're skeptics, and we're realistic, but we're not over-the-top negative the whole time. Let's just... Look how we just talked about the Vikings roster back-to-back years not making the playoffs. So um, we will be transitioning into that. Speaking of transition, the Timberwolves, um, they have the most transition points in the NBA right now. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll see if it's going to be win some, lose some with the Gophers. But right now, um, the, Tim- the Timberwolves, if they can remain knock on wood healthy, uh, they got a nice little push here down the stretch, January, February, March, and into April. Let's uh, at least make the plan, um, if not a little higher. But um, I'm definitely excited to transition into that. Any uh, last words before we get out of here, sir? No, I mean, just let's, uh, you know, I appreciate the work that Spielman has done. I'm going to miss the predictability of the seventh round picks and the, the, <laughs> the trading back, you know, to pick up more of those seventh round picks, maybe throwing a few fourths and fifths and, and the uh, cornerbacks too, you know, got to get the cornerbacks uh, and obviously Zimmer, you know, and the defense, I think maybe he has to go back to the drawing board and I think the league is probably caught up with his defense, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's bright enough to come up with something and see where he lands. And or if he lands anywhere at all, maybe he's just going to chill at the ranch. But, you know, I was a Zimmer fan. I'll be a Zimmer fan going forward. And uh thought he did a good job. And Spielman did a good job for, for what it's worth. Uh I think that he just kind of got a little bit too uh familiar with some guys. And, you know, I guess that's a terrible way to say that. He got a little too <laughs> stuck on uh bringing some guys back and keeping guys longer than they should have. And, and so on. Should have blocked the Baltimore Numbers. Yeah, yeah, he, you know, Yannick Ngakwe might not have been worth a second round pick, that type of thing. But um, when you got so many picks, what's a what's a second round? <laughs> exactly, <pick? laughs> his best round too. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was good years with those guys. But I am looking forward to see what what comes in the future, and let's just hope they make some good decisions and and uh, we get this thing rolling for next season because we're probably gonna have to do some emergency shows in the off season, Chris, with the hires and the and the new stuff. So, so we'll look forward to what's coming up next. And That's also right. looking forward to a damn good Timberwolves team uh, coming around the corner. And the Gophers aren't even half as bad as we thought they were going to be. They're actually watchable. So this will be a fun uh, living in Loserville uh, year this year. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. And I agree with you on both those. I mean, just looking at this roster, you know, Spielman's not a bum. Like a lot of people are saying it. And, you know, part of the people, you know, catching up to Zimmer is because, they copycatted him, you know. I mean, a bunch of defenses do what he does now. So, yeah, you're right. I do think there's some tweaks and whatnot. But, you know, once again, if you look at the pressures and sacks this year, um, it wasn't, like, consistent. You know, no. We didn't have those seven sack games like we've had in the past. But we're still getting pressure on that QB and hits. So, um, we'll see you next Monday. Um Go Timberwolves, go Gophers. We'll be back living in Loserville. Peace.